Welcome to Pros and Cons, a show about random topics. I'm Kev. And I'm Jack. Let's talk about new music. Basically, a part two to our quarantine music series that we started in April. It was like mid-April. Yes, sir. And since, you know, Netflix and everyone's been slacking, artists have been releasing some heat. So Yeah, music is really like the only thing getting me through this. <laughs> Seriously, like, you would think this is the perfect time to release a bunch of shit, but streamers have not. But let's get to the music. All right, so basically, like last time, we're going to just talk about each of these albums a little bit, give a little rating at the end for the pro and con scale, and then basically we'll have them broken down by genre just to make it a little easier, and that's it. So to tee it off, we're going to start with probably my favorite, little R&B slash soul even though there's probably not much soul in this, but <laughs> it's been like that in my life everywhere. Like when well, you that's still, like the official listing on genre for iTunes. Or and anything. iTunes too, right? And like, I don't know, if you have like cable and you go to those music channels, it's still like right. that. Shout out to Music Choice, I think it's called. Yeah. But let's start off with Kelani with It Was Good Until It Wasn't. Mm-hmm. Talk about a yogiism. <laughs> Most people probably don't know who he is, but it was a Yankee baseball player that says a lot of shit that sounds <laughs> weird, but makes sense at the same time. I don't know. There's one, when you come to a fork in the road, take it. Wow. That emoji of the mind blowing. Open your third eye. Start off, cool ass title. Very R&B, especially from a female, you know? Mm. It was good until it wasn't. I'm kind of surprised it wasn't tweeted more. You know, I feel like that's a that's a tweetable right there. Or an Instagram caption. That's true. A caption. How do you feel about this one? I basically have had the same kind of relationship with Kalani's music over the years. And that is, I don't hate it. I don't love it. Kind of just is what it is. And she never quite makes it different enough or, I don't know, takes her sound to a new level and unfortunately this album kind of still falls in line with that so it was kind of whatever for me i feel that and i can double on that it's more kalani and it's a kalani we've heard before themes we've heard before even though she is now a mother the music's still kind of the same yeah maybe the next album I'll, i'll give her a chance i'm not mad at it don't get me wrong i didn't dislike this album the only thing is one, the album's pretty long. It's uh, 15 songs. I could have done with 10, especially because I don't really dig everything. Mm-hmm. There's a couple skits and whatnot, but out of the 15 that I can say that I'll keep bumping, maybe four to five songs. Not the best ratio, you know? Kind of a theme that might come back in the rest of these, but we'll save that. Yeah, and don't mind it. I probably like the songs with features the most. So there's a song with Tory Lanez, arguably my favorite. My second favorite and arguably battle for most favorite is the one with uh, Masego, Hate the Club. And I haven't mentioned this and I should have. I really fuck with the cover. I probably do like a light to solid con. I don't know if I want to con it, but I'd give it like an extremely light pro. All right, next up we got Chloe and Hallie with the album Ungodly Hour would see their names sometimes on like people's IG stories and stuff like that. And then the same thing happened with this album and I had never listened before. Then I heard like a snippet of one of the songs. I was like, oh, what is this? And then I saw it's from that album. So I was like, all right, let me actually hear the whole thing. And I was really impressed. And I think the album has different levels of songs in terms of There's some that are like top tier, really incredible, blow me away. There's some on the next tier that are like really good, but not as good as those. And then there's some that are just like, okay, whatever. Overall, I think it's great and might be my favorite R&B project of the year so far. Wow. (laughs) Over Kiana Lede's? Yeah, I think so. Wow. That's pretty strong. Um, I have been aware of them for a little bit now but never really listened to their music they came on my map when it was like a rumor or news came out that one of the sisters was gonna play like a disney princess and ariel i think 
and like a remake of i can't think of the name the little mermaid yeah the little mermaid and i think it's the holly one mm-hmm. that should be playing it but yeah I, w- I think i actually read some article where it said when quarantine happened or when you know everything first went into place with lockdown she was in the middle of either filming or rehearsing or something with it so oh shit didn't know that but the whole thing was like a little bit of a controversy because if you don't know they are black girls and if you know the little mermaid it's like a white red-headed cartoon so that's a little bit of a change but i'm all for it stuart female black and disney we need more of that yeah for sure after that like i would see their name pop up they have like a bunch of youtube videos and like little vine video singing and it was always dope like they can obviously fucking sing and i was a little surprised to like hear them in an actual production sounds pretty good they have that r&b but they could almost kind of like spit some bars in there you know like that rhythmic singing with like hip-hop beats almost and also kind of like an old school soul feel as well you could tell that they've come up like listening to that old school yeah like who knows their parents whatever their parents were listening to or even like gospel-y in a way too yeah i mean a lot of their singing or like notes and stuff they hit you could tell like oh i wonder if they ever were like in a choir or something like that because that's kind of like their skill or how they sing almost like a beyonce type even though i don't know if beyonce ever did that but well a couple things with that one i found out after did you know that they're signed to beyonce's management company see i didn't say that on purpose but now that you say that i (laughs) feel like either you told me before or maybe i've seen it somewhere the album also i hear beyonce more early career sonic influence on them yeah for sure could hear that too it's hard to con this one. I Easy pro. Yeah, I'd probably give it a solid pro. Let's move on to the next one who actually had an album come out not too long ago, but now she's back. And that is Summer Walker with Life on Earth EP. So this one's uh, obviously not an album. It's an EP, something short. I believe it's five songs. How are you liking this one? I never really got into her last album. And this EP kind of continues what i think of her also in that she feels just like a this could sound fucked up but almost like a machine created what is today's r&b sound and what does that voice sound like and then just spit it out and that's her and you know great for her and that she fits in but maybe it's just because i'm not as ingrained in r&b as you know you are where you can maybe tell that difference more but to me, she just sounds kind of similar to a lot of people. Let me jump in right here and I could say, even I can't really tell the difference. <laughs> uh, this is also because her sound is really similar to someone like Kalani. So she has to bring like some crazy heat, some fire to like stand out and nothing really new to the table. What she does have is like dope beats, dope production. Other than that, her singing is like, it's in the middle of the pack, you know, nothing crazy. And with this project, Sure, they're bops. Like, you play them in the car and I'll listen to them. But the same vocals you heard on her project, which I liked a lot. I still listen to it right now. But I don't know if I would call them throwaways. It was just something like, oh, here, I'm still alive. Here's something. Yeah, here's something for quarantine whenever. Yeah, like, home. I've been working on this on the studio because I've been bored. And I guess it's not fully enough for me to pro. Do, like, a very light con. Well, I'm going to do a solid con. All right, so next we got... Dijon with also an EP, How Do You Feel About Getting Married? I mean, that title. <laughs> I like the title. It's yeah. very modern, creative, original. Feels like him, too. The art, I fuck with a lot, too. The music, though, not my favorite Dijon. Him, to me, at least so far, I always, like, without fail, like his stuff with other people more than his solo stuff. So, like, initially I knew him from this duo he was in, Abhi Dijon, and all their stuff was great. Then they split, he was doing solo stuff, but he also gets featured on other tracks pretty consistently. But I just find, like, he always kills those more than his own is, I don't know, it's like, doesn't have the same energy to it. Yeah, it seems like he saves a certain style or energy towards working with other people. I do agree, I do like his work with other people, and... For me, when I listen to him, I've also realized that I really like very specific 
things he does yeah his style of singing is very unique he like plays with his voice he says words i don't know it's like mouth movements he does that Mm -hmm. is different to other people and is super dope and outside of that he's i don't want to say whatever because it doesn't sound bad but it doesn't stand out and it doesn't make me want to like sing along which is usually what i want to do so i have to go with the con yeah i'm gonna do like a light to solid con last one in this r&b category slack six slack (laughs) blizzack black (laughs) lack (laughs) man of many names with the ep six piece hot doesn't really say piece but you know like when you go buy chicken tenders and it's just like pc you got it it's pretty cool (laughs) i'll just say off the bat that I kind of have a similar thing with him as Dijon in terms of guests for solo. I've never really been drawn to his solo stuff, but I never mind him and sometimes really like him on guest features. So this EP, again, I guess this is a theme with all these R&B ones this round, but didn't change my mind at all on that. His voice is super unique. It's like a weird, raspy, dope, singy voice that he has, and... It's almost like, I don't know, like a rapper that can sing. Obviously, there's a good amount of those, but his sounds a little bit special, a little unique, and he brings a little something new to the table. I feel like that's best shown with his collab with J. Cole. Pretty Little Fears? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Some shit like that, right? Yeah. Yeah, great track, and yeah, good example. Shows you where he can like rhyme and kind of have these quote-unquote bars (laughs) <laughs> but also just like sing and create like a sing-alongy type of song and he does that he does that on these tracks whether they kind of sound the same yeah but serves the purpose and i don't have much music for him i'm not as tired of him and i really fuck with the cover i think it's like a chicken spot yeah shout out to the six piece yeah i don't know i'd give it like a light pro this would probably be a solid con for me all right now we're moving into hip-hop slash rap and starting off on a sadder note with two post humus however you want to pronounce it like i feel like it's a stupid kind of pronunciation but can there be a harder word that people have been using <laughs> lately than that because i've been reading it everywhere i mean obviously because yeah it makes sense two albums within like a week but yeah back to the music we're gonna be talking about both juice world and pop smoke but we'll do juice first and he actually died first not why we're doing him first but that was in december of last year 2019 early in the month and he basically od'd let's just start off with do you remember hearing about that at the time and had you known about juice much before that yeah i knew of juice never really listened to his music though he was like one of the rappers that i kind of like categorized as like part of a crew even if they weren't really even friends or knew each other but it was just like the type of music and it was like him and slim god or some shit like that Slim master some god yeah they're yeah. cold ass <laughs> name shout out to him they're friends or no yeah they were like best friends oh i mean there it is and like him weirdly like xxx i don't know if they were Mm -hmm. friends but they like had conversations but yeah they didn't get to meet up because x died also yeah and trippy like artists like that where they have like a certain style to them and quote-unquote soundcloud rapper era you know boom yeah like it wasn't for me but i always knew him i knew what he looked like if i were to see him on the street i'd be like oh shit that's juice but Mm -hmm. like music wise i wasn't fully into him when the news came out that he died it was pretty fucking sad one because he's like really young i know he's talented but it's those moments where you see like holy fuck like this dude really affected like a bunch of lives yeah with his music and the themes of his music and the subjects that he used to cover yeah he was basically the kid cuddy for gen z pretty much yeah exactly good example right there it really sucked it was super sad especially in the way that he died he was only 21 like he had just turned 21 like a week before he died too so super young and for me i was aware of him for a long time also and same thing never really listened 
And he would come up on TikTok sometimes as well. So I became even more aware of him through that. And then when he died, I went back and listened to the album that he had dropped like earlier that year, Death Race for Love. And there were a bunch of songs on there that I really fucked with and still do to this day. And just also at that time, like reading everything people were saying about him and all the shit where you just got that kind of sense like you were talking about of like what he meant to like a whole generation of kids. And it was also in this string of Lil Peep dying in 2017, X dying in 2018. Obviously, there's complications around his, uh, you know, actions in general, but still important rapper dying. Mac Miller died. You know, all these people were dying. Juice was yet another one. And even sadder because of drugs. Like, yeah, this is something we're going to get into when we talk about the album, but he was very open about his depression and like struggles with drugs and with life in general. And you could kind of just see it that it was like bound to happen sadly it is an album that hits very different even though when listening to it like the sound itself isn't necessarily sad like it's not celine dion or some shit like that but it's more like obviously what he's covering the words he's saying and not even just that i think it's bundled with what has been coming out or i see like on social media on twitter and stuff and it's like videos of him and like shit he's been saying and quotes he's said like video i don't know if you saw there's one going around of like him on uh ig live i think he's like haha i'm here live on ig from heaven well I that's made the it. outro of the album yeah that's the outro of the album but yeah it's from like an actual instagram live yeah exactly like the actual video and you see him like playing around yeah. with this and it's this whole thing people are like yeah spoken into existence or whatever it's obviously it's not like that but it like makes it extra sad when you like see him joking around like that i think there's actually multiple times where like there's audio of him saying shit that it's like fuck that makes it well just off his lyrics too pretty yeah. much you know it's literally the themes he talks about and writes about in his music so it makes it like harder to listen and makes it even heavier which it's not necessarily a bad thing but it's for sure more heartfelt than most albums yeah i mean let's start to go into the album and of course we'll keep talking about his life as we do that but that was actually something i feel like hurt the album in a way just because i feel like on his last project before this that i was talking about there's such a range of energies and he still of course talked about like that kind of stuff on there and all his projects but whether lyrically or just sonically in terms of trying out different shit I feel like there was more of that on the last album, and I don't know what exactly the strategy was with this one, but it felt a little heavy-handed, and he's on his way to crash, and it's just documenting it because it didn't stop it, so it is, like, showing kind of the dangers of that in a way, I guess, you know, and... His girlfriend, Ali, she's talked about how these albums that are going to come out, because there's going to be more... There's like a story or a process for fans to continue to hear. It's not just going to be this. And obviously the first one is probably the most important. But there's obviously something they're going for. And maybe it'll make sense more in the larger picture for that way. But he also had over a thousand unreleased songs, he said. That's crazy. And (laughs) I feel like they could have put in a few more variations of songs like whether it be more a beat ones like they have man of the year which is one of my favorites but there's not a whole lot other than that and there's no songs like syphilis that just have like crazy raw energy hard rapping and i wish there just would have been a little bit more of a mix i guess yeah because that's also part of what drew me to him and what i think made him a little more special than you know certain other musicians because he was so versatile and he brought in like emo and pop punk sounds as well and etc so i just don't know if that was fully on display yeah i mean i think it's there like when i was listening to this all i kept thinking about is how you could hear the influence whether he actually did listen to them or not of yeah like mid to early 2000s punk pop and like rock and like yeah he used to listen like green day green fog boy and etc 
Panic at the Disco. Yeah, right, like all exactly. that shit. And you could hear it. And in a weird way, it was like, oh shit, like this reminds me of that. It was kind of yeah. dope. But it's also like, I wasn't the biggest fan of this music anyway. <laughs> but it's kind of cool to see how you can take that and like fuse it with rap and hip hop. And it also fits well with the themes because I don't know if you remember just like the emo look. And yeah, I mean, it's literally emo emotional, you know? Yeah, exactly. His team did a pretty good job in showing that. And I'm assuming he recorded all this audio with the intentions of recreating something of that era, which is pretty dope. However, didn't really change me liking his music. Like, I don't think I'll keep listening to it. Don't hate it. I can see why people like it. I was also thinking, which I guess I'll say here, but when I was listening, I was like, I could see why Jack would like this, like. If a coming-of-age filmmaker was, like, a musician, I think, like, Juice World would be that person. Damn. Because, like, the themes are there, the sounds, the way he dresses, the album cover, like, everything, what he stood for, and the look, like, it's, like, there. Yeah, no, I definitely can see that. And interestingly enough, I wasn't into any of that emo pop-punk stuff either, but... It's strangely nostalgic for me, regardless. And like you said, it's interesting to see him kind of fuse genres with that. But it also feels like if he wanted to, hypothetically, he could have just done that full out and it would have felt like totally legit, you know? But he was interested in doing a whole bunch of stuff, which is kind of the modern attitude as it should be. And he was also just about pure raw expression and energy which i think is what not only allowed him to do all those types of songs and styles but record like all these songs that he has like he was a freestyle king by the way like there's a video of him on tim westwood just going for an hour straight and he was just a beast but he would record like every night in a studio and do like seven eight songs in a night like he was just it was like light work to him, you know? So I think he was just so easily adaptable and it sucks to see that taken so soon. And I think why so many people connect with him because they feel that raw emotion. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in terms of the album in general, there's all these like leaks out there and people had heard leaks of a handful of songs or good amount of songs on this album And let me just say, if you listen to leaks and then get mad that an album has leaks on it, like, (laughs) you know, real versions of those leak songs, then I have no sympathy for you because you have to know when you're listening to a leak, like, this is upcoming music, you know what I mean? So it's like, why are you bitching, you know? Dumbass. (laughs) (laughs) But I will say that I listened to some of the leaks after because there's, you know, certain things different and... There are a couple pieces that they should have maybe kept in how it originally was, but maybe he wanted it to be different or whatever. So I don't know if you can fully speculate on that. And also, there's supposed to be a deluxe version of the album coming like next couple weeks, not an official date yet, but maybe we'll bring that up on the next one. But And with that said, I'd probably go light con. I'd probably do like a light con. Let's go on to the other post-death. I'm going to switch it up. I'm not saying that word. <laughs> I'm against it. And that is Pop Smoke with Shoot for the Stars, Aim for the Moon. Real quick. Doesn't make sense to me, <laughs> personally. But maybe it does to other people. Uh, I feel kind of fucked up laughing at the beginning of this. But yeah, I don't know. I didn't really think about it. <laughs> too much but yeah i mean supposedly it was something he said all the time so they were trying to pay homage to that but before we get to the actual music pop smoke if you don't know up and coming very new york city heavy rapper 20 year old from brooklyn from canarsie but what's supposed to be like the future of new york rap if you don't know his voice it's super deep many people compare him to like 50 cent he was supposed to be like the new 50 cent 50 cent back them dude was legit 
running like the rap game in the east coast in the matter of like a year blew up with a song called the welcome to the party but the guy seemed to be very lovable cool to hang like i see a bunch of videos and he was like i don't want to say silly or like a goof but like he wanted to have a good time he was always dancing always partying and i believe was out in la Mm -hmm. california either recording music or just on a trip recording for his album staying at a airbnb in the hollywood hills with friends and one night someone broke in and shot him a couple times and passed away out here while he was working all happened very soon after kobe bryant's death Mm -hmm. so we we're all still kind of like mourning Kobe. Yeah, this was in February, by the way. Yeah, this was the beginning of what many people know as 2020, the worst year of all time. Mm-hmm. This was like about to be the time where the guy was going to start living what he was going to know as like fame or life to him. Yeah, sucks that he didn't really get to fully enjoy that. Yeah, I mean, that's really what a lot of this album points to because came up basically in this brooklyn drill scene Mm -hmm. which kind of was like a spinoff from chicago drill and a little bit of uk drill and like you said he had welcome to the party had christopher walking dior dior you know he had certified street hits they weren't just in new york like that show was spreading Mm -hmm. across the country and across the world he had dropped one mixtape last year meet the woo just put Mm -hmm. out another one earlier this year and then was planning to drop this album this summer which it did obviously without him being alive but this all after he just started rapping at the end of late 2018 like dude was brand new to rapping but picked up instantly blew up instantly like he just had everyone's support like he had the streets he had other people who loved him like you couldn't really hate on him he was way beyond his years like you wouldn't have thought he was a 20-year-old, you know? Not at all. Especially with his deep voice, too. Voice, super unique, super dope. Very, like, hardcore rapper, even though you don't really hear it often. But you could tell why people would jump on his shit right away. Because it's like, oh, shit, this sounds different. This sounds dope. He was kind of like a throwback to what New York rap started at or got really popular at. And he was bringing that back. But at the same time, the drill sound was like new so it was like combining these two worlds and you had the respect of the old heads and these young kids also into it so it crossed so many people and ticked off so many boxes yeah but also you know these first two tapes were heavy on that brooklyn drill sound and these were just small tapes like six songs each or something but he had a plan with steven victor his a and r his boy they had this vision of dropping these tapes until he was big enough where an album would make like a real splash and by the time he put out the second tape like he was already there like Mm -hmm. that solidified it and this album was supposed to be him showing like how versatile he was and that he could do all sorts of other types of songs and do r&b type shit too and the album does that he just wasn't here to witness it being released and then take that and build on it further that's what made it worse for me like it fucking sucks one i was already like a fan just with the tapes but then this album comes out which i guess we could get into right now changes everything like you do see his range a little bit of the drill but you just also hear like regular hip-hop rap beats which we weren't used to hearing him rap over and he made it work but my favorite and what surprised me the most was how he was able to work with slower r&b type sounds which obviously like we know and i've mentioned r&b is my favorite and how he made it work like that hood r&b like sweet talk to a girl type sound Mm -hmm. that we've heard in the early 2000s like ja rule play with and like fab and he fucking made that shit work and it blew my mind because i was like not expecting that i was kind of expecting more the same and maybe just regular hip-hop shit but he really had some range and it sucks because obviously we won't get to hear much of what he could have done after this yeah and i know there's like rumors and even some samples out there that he was even working on like spanish songs 
if you guys don't know, he was actually Panamanian. So he either grew up with one or two of his parents speaking Spanish to him, whether he spoke it naturally or not. But he was working like on a Spanish record, which I would have also been super interested in listening to. That would have been crazy. Insane. And I don't know, the actual record, how do you feel? Yeah, I mean, going off what you were saying, I thought that R&B and just generally more melodic sounding approach was super interesting for sure and it's my favorite stuff on the album and i thought it was also interesting that he brought in so many like early 2000s flips and samples i mean the biggest for me being the tamia so into you slash also the fab version which i think of more than the original right but that track something special like it is what the title says it is and it's just crazy to see how quickly he was evolving. You know what I mean? I mean, he had these songs stored up before, and he was just picking up more shit. So just imagine, like, where he would have kept going. All this, like, early 2000s shit, something we're seeing in other projects like Kiana Lede. And the other thing with him, especially with this project, is that there are multiple 50-cent connections. So one, he actually does like samples interpolations of like many men and like other shit he has 50 on a track and he does like a candy shop flip at the end and there's other songs where he just sounds like 50 with the flow the cadence of his voice like i've never heard anyone sound so much like 50 cent and the crazy thing is like he met 50 like earlier in the year and he was like mentoring him and 50 is the one that made this project happen because after pop died Stephen Victor was just like, you know, sad as fuck, understandably. And Fitchy was like, no, you got to do this for him. You can't be selfish. Like, we got to make this album. If you want, like, I'll help with whatever, no cost, anything. And he helped really push it forward. And I think that says a lot about 50. And it's like a whole full circle thing. And I think we'll go down as one of his most important contributions to the culture, especially in the past I don't know, decade or more. Yeah. So it's just crazy to see. And again, really sad because I feel like 50 was on the path to steering him to becoming the next him and just being an entrepreneur and all this stuff. And Pop Smoke also was acting and he is in this Eddie Wang movie that's going to come out and all this stuff. So he could have easily been the next 50, not just musically, but just from a businessman perspective. And he also had a specific look to him. He's like broad shoulder, like strong hood guy with the braids that you kind of see Travis Scott with, but it's in a different style. He had like two that come in front of his face and the rest are like in a ponytail that he, it was like his look already, which is kind of dope. Like I wouldn't be surprised if he was going to be in the fashion world too. There's yeah, I mean, like, he already went to the Louis Vuitton event that Louis Virgil Vuitton brought him to in Paris. And yeah, I'm sure in a year or two, he probably could have been working with Virgil and been in the runway. Like, sometimes right. they do little exactly. cameos. And yeah, he for sure would have been. Could have been in there and would have been in the fashion world. And who knows if he would have even gotten into designing himself. It's not that he died. It's just that he died even before we got to see any hints of this. Like, luckily, we will see him acting for a little bit. But, you know, yeah. who knows what else he could have done. I mean, thank God we have this album because otherwise, you know, you just wouldn't have known. But this is like a blessing and a curse because you do get to see it. You just don't get to see the rest. The rest, yeah. Easy, easy pro. Yeah, I would say it's like a light to solid pro overall. Switch to the next album and last of this category. Let's jump off from Pop Smoke in the sense that one of his boys and part of this Brooklyn Drew movement was Fabio Foreign. And he was featured on Drake's project, Dark Lane Demo Tapes, which we're doing next. And yeah, Drake, more than ever, I think with this project, was just trying to showcase a bunch of different styles that he's experimenting with. And it's kind of like drafts, you know? Talk about a person that has never missed. (laughs) Subjective. Bunch of throwaway songs? Nothing but bangers, though. (laughs) Well, that's part of the thing, like... I forget who said it, but Drake's rough drafts are still better than most rappers' best songs type thing. I would agree right here. (laughs) It's a great case in point. Yeah, while listening to this, you can tell these aren't 
his best work. He knows it's not his best work. It's almost like we mentioned earlier with one of the albums where it's kind of like, yo, I've just been working on shit. It's not the easiest of times. Let's just put this out. Let's have some fun. Even on the videos he released, like on the video for Tusi Slide, he's like by himself in this fucking mansion, like <laughs> in quarantine, low effort. He probably had one of his boys record nothing crazy, even though he has a, an entire fireworks show in the background. So there is money involved. Obviously, Drizzy Drake, there's no other way. Show off the money. I like this project. I can easily con the cover if I have to find a con here and maybe a few of the songs. But you got rap drake you got emotional drake some throwback drake too throwback drake you got hype drake you got drake dancing get a little bit of everything this also is what makes the album like you know a concoction of songs and different styles which is fine but it also shows like oh this isn't meant to be like a super concentrated project on like a specific part of his life or anything Mm -hmm. like that we live in a time where like singles and tracks are what matters, even though maybe that's not how we digest music, but it works for him. And I don't know. I'll give it to you. Yeah. So first off, this came out in April, just right after we had done the last episode. And I'll say that this is probably my favorite Drake project since Thank Me Later. Wow. But that also is because... I was more of an early Drake fan, and then he kind of got too repetitive for me and just not that exciting. But I feel like this project is a bit more exciting. Like, he's been known to, you know, take other genres or other sounds and try to make them his own, sometimes more successfully than others. But I think this has a good mix of different types of tracks and bringing in different sounds and even, like, war, which is you know, kind of like a UK drill kind of Mm -hmm. sound. I think he works beautifully on it. And that's also like an Axel Beats production. Again, connection to Pop Smoke. But yeah, I just feel like he had fun making these songs. Mm -hmm. Whereas Drake can usually be pretty sad also. And I don't even mind that it's not really an album album because... I haven't come to really like that that much from Drake. So for me, this was almost better. And I wouldn't mind continuing to get projects like this from him instead. Real quick, bringing back Pop Smoke. You mentioned him. This one also heard a little bit on the track Demons where uh, Fabio, Fivio Foreign. I don't know why the word Fabio is there. <laughs> Shout out to grandmas <laughs> whose fantasy still to meet Fabio. But... Fivio Foreign is on this track, and I'm sure this is, like, the track that Pop Smoke could have been in. Right, exactly. And he's kind of there as, like, I don't want to say he's the plan B. Maybe he was always meant to be there, but Pop Smoke would have fucking bodied this. Yeah. And been the perfect fit for it. But, I mean, there's just bangers here. One of my favorites, Chicago Freestyle, featuring none other than one of the best upcoming R&B artists, Giveon. Introduce you to him that introduce me and dude's like on my top five right now for sure for that alone you could give the project a pro take my money drake (laughs) you don't miss and without any shame i could say this is probably on my top three drake albums also but yeah this one's gonna be a solid pro for me i'm gonna give it a light pro just because i haven't felt the urge to go back to it constantly so i don't know how much i will over time but like i said i mean Big improvement from how I've been feeling on Drake in the years past. Since we're talking about Drake, the person that has arguably made hip-hop and rap almost pop, Mm -hmm. let's go into pop. Yep. And let's start off with Charlie XCX with the album How I'm Feeling Now. This in itself was like the first kind of quarantine album like she made the whole thing in lockdown while this happened within like six weeks oh wow and i had been aware of charlie throughout the years and she was cool but i never really listened to her much but i was interested in hearing this album just because of the whole quarantine aspect of it and stuff and i was really impressed by it personally this one was hard to get through for me (laughs) heard it once and i tried to go back to it and it was like i'm not feeling it 
it's a lot of like electronic sounds that i was like i don't know if i dig i think part of what impacted me being i guess prepared or ready to hear this album is going through the kind of journey that i did with 100 gex who put out an album last year they're like a duo and they make super weird experimental stuff and I hated their stuff for a while, wasn't like until the end of last year after it had been put out earlier in the year that I finally kind of clicked with it for whatever reason. And I think coming around on their music made me ready to appreciate this album. And I don't know if I would have otherwise. And the producer from 100GX, Dylan Brady, he also produced some tracks or co-produced on this album. So there's a connection there as well. But I can totally see why this album isn't for a lot of people. It is kind of weird and also pop at the same time. So it's like two things that people are kind of prone to hate, even though pop is like quote unquote popular, but like I get it, but I personally really love the album and literally my only complaint is the track list. It's also like the perfect length of an album. It's like 37 minutes, feels super compact, like not wasting a second. The 100 gugs album is literally what i don't like about charlie's album (laughs) times a thousand on crack (laughs) so yeah heavy pro for me and contending for my number one of the year bro you're bugging (laughs) i mean obviously for me it's gonna be a solid con anyway let's go on to the next one we got jesse ware with the album what's your pleasure question mark I like music that makes me want to dance a little bit. Jessie and her team did that. Bringing up Dua Lipa again, this album is somewhat similar in that it's also a throwback, but it's a lot more disco heavy and influenced. Yeah, it has a throwback feel to it. 70s, maybe? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. At times, obviously, with like the modern engineering and beat making, but what music in the 70s didn't have was Jessie Ward's voice. Talk about making me want to dance, but also soothing my ears. That's my pleasure. The album itself is pretty dope. I wouldn't say it's like what I prefer from her. Like I don't listen to Jessie Ware to feel good and dance. Or maybe to feel good, but, you know, to be upbeat and whatnot. However, she made it work. And I think it's like the first time she does anything like this, right? Yeah, I mean, this is a pretty big left turn for her although she still like it still sounds like her you know what i mean right yeah doesn't feel that crazy but it definitely feels like a big step in at least trying another direction because i feel like leading up to this all her albums which i like them all don't get me wrong but they were predictable might be a harsh word but you could see the progression from them each and this was just like oh i did not expect this yeah and it isn't like extremely disco i guess because it still has her style and kind of like the walls that needed to be up for her to be comfortable in this disco style and different style to what she's used to but it it works really well it's nothing crazy it's almost like a tasteful disco or almost like a slowed down soulful disco that it is for sure one of the albums here where you can just play from like one through the last track and it like just flows well and it's very cohesive like the entire thing kind of opposite to like drake's where like there was like a bunch or even pop smokes you hear like a yeah. bunch of different styles and this one yeah there's some slower than others and some more vocal than others but it works i'm not mad at it uh especially it being something new in her whole catalog and shit so I'd give it a light pro. The whole thing is pretty consistent for sure. I do have some pretty significant standouts that I think are way above the rest, like Ulala and Soul Control back to back. From the first listen, they caught my ear and they have remained in my top three, along with the last track, Remember Where You Are, which is crazy. And I do think with like Ulala and Soul Control, which are a little bit more upbeat. That she could have had maybe one or two more energetic, upbeat tracks in the album. But overall, I'm not complaining. I definitely like it and would give it like a light to solid pro. Probably more towards solid. 
And to finish off the pop section, we're going to go with the 1975 with the album Notes on a Conditional Form. Yeah, so this album, in a way, I guess you could say is similar to Drake's in that it jumps around a lot between different sounds, but it's not as much necessarily purely new sounds. It's more like different styles they've kind of tried in the past and are now like evolving. I mean, there is new stuff in there too, but like Drake's was like totally new in some ways. But anyway, this is an album that's very long. It's like an hour 20. And I think it is too long for sure, which is unfortunate because I think there's a lot of great songs and material in this album that a lot of people probably won't hear or fully appreciate just because there's so much there to listen to. So I think that's like my biggest con of it in general is that I wish it was edited down way more. That being said, again, there is a lot of great stuff on it. This one made me wish that the album was also shorter, but for the 1975, I really like a certain style of their music, like their earlier projects. uh, I don't remember the name, but where they have like, oh, she's American. Yeah. And those specific tracks and style of tracks is what I really like to hear from them. The kind of like 80s pop, super pop sounds. Kind of American. I know I just said the title of that song, but... But even Girls on that same album. Yeah, but it is like an 80s pop American blue jeans, Jeep top down type of songs that work pretty well. And I really enjoy them for that. And you hear a few tracks in here, or maybe more than a few. I want to say like at least six. Yeah, I mean, most of all, if you're too shy, let me know. Like that's their big version of that on this album. And Maddie has talked about they can make those records in their sleep. So they try to put them on in like at least once an album or something. But obviously, as the album shows, they'd like to jump around. I really dislike the ones that are upbeat and louder with crazy like guitar on them like people i mean people's the more like punk one yeah like kind of punk and not that it sounds like it but it's almost like what i don't like about charlie's or the gags and their style which is almost like a distortion in the sound that Mm -hmm. which i personally just in general with distortion stuff i'm very in on that yeah like again like you'd probably like it but for me it's kind of like i have to put the volume down i remember literally <laughs> yeah. like i, well, I need people to slow also it down is a song that when it was first released i fucking hated it oh, and then the real? album came out and for some reason it clicked for me like i do like that song now but almost like with juice and email stuff too like otherwise i don't fuck with that sound in general like that's specifically for people because it's way different than anything yeah. else on the album but one other song that kind of falls into the style you're mentioning, but in this case is a lot more 90s, is Me and You Together song, which both the song itself and the video, I heard it before the album when it was released as a single, and instantly it just became a favorite for me, and still really like it to this day. Like I think there's a lot of other great songs in the album, even like Yeah, I Know has this kind of dance hall uk garage type sound to it and i really like that and there's other tracks too on it that are great and the last track guys is another now classic of their catalog also just thematically but yeah some of these like more ambient tracks i think they could have removed and i've liked 1975 stuff you know through other projects we both found out about them at the same time with the self-titled album that had she's american and stuff on it and to me they're kind of always like this like they kind of go in these different kinds of moods with albums and you kind of pick out what you want so it's not really surprising to me but i don't know overall like i'm still happy with it i'm gonna give it a solid pro like if it had been edited down it could have been heavy possibly but it's a solid for me i don't know i'd go like neutral like i'm whatever about it All right, so moving on into the indie rock slash alternative kind of broad category, which the 1975 could easily have fit into. We just decided to put them in pop. But so first up, we got Phoebe Bridgers with the album Punisher. And I can't remember if you yourself ended up listening to her last album, which was her debut. 
but if not, I'm kind of disappointed that this is the first year listening to her because I feel like it doesn't compare to her first album. Uh, yeah, I think you put me onto hers. I don't bump it, but I remember listening to it. I remember the name. And I was weirdly, I wouldn't say highly anticipating it, but I think this was going to be like the one that was going to turn me like into a... This one's hard for me to say as well. I always want to say Bridges. Yeah. <laughs> but the Bridgers is like a tongue twister for me a little bit. But I thought this was going to be the album that made me get into her. Starting off with the cover, like super fire. I'm a yeah. huge fan of the cover. And I started listening. The next song came through. The next song came through. And I'm like, this ain't working out <laughs> for me. Um, how would you even explain her sound? It's like dark, goth, folky. Yeah, I, I was thinking like a folky emo alternative yeah. singer. Yeah, yeah, that works. Which I don't know if there's like a lot of those. No, I don't think so. I mean, kind of. It's almost like but the juice world of our alternative. In a way. In a way. <laughs> <laughs> where like, you're kind of unique in this field. And well, also her voice, which I like in general a lot. But it's super unique. I think that's part of it. I'm not the biggest fan of her voice. She is talented and all that. But her voice doesn't do much for me. I don't think her voice is anything special. It is unique. But it's just not pleasing to my ears. Fuck. That sounds fucked up. <laughs> but. <laughs> it's subjective. Yeah, exactly. Like, I want to also say this. Like, yeah, every time we shed on something, it's obviously subjective. Yeah, I mean, the thing with this album is that. The last one had, again, I go back to this on other stuff, but it had a lot more range to me. And this one felt just so heavy the whole time and just a lot of slow, dark songs. And the only song that I'm going to keep listening from this project is Kyoto, which mm -hmm. is one of the singles. And it's really upbeat and fun. And it's not like I don't like her dark stuff. Like one of my favorite songs from hers is literally called Funeral. And she has a lot of great dark songs on her last album, but this one just didn't do anything for me. And I really wanted to like this project, but I just didn't. Yeah, it didn't do it for me. I do agree, like, Kyoto is, like, a decent song, but this one's an easy one to con for me. Yeah, I think this is, like, a light to solid con for me, sadly. Haim with... Women in Music, part three. Yeah, even though there was never part one or two, but, you know, they do what they want, and it has, like, the acronym, like, WIMPY, you know? Heard this album many times now. Never really thought about the title. <laughs> and as I was reading it right now, I was, like, processing, where are the other two of these albums? <laughs> <laughs> Legit, like, I was saying it and thinking at the same time. Shout out to them for, I don't know, thinking outside the box, but... It's like if Pop Smoke could drop Meet the Woo 3 before... <laughs> Meet the Woo 3 <laughs> in stores now. But yeah, I mean, I've been into Haim for a long time now. You're also a fan, right? Yeah, I've been a, a fan for a while. Feels like a decade now, even though that's not true. <laughs> but kind of like Drake, they don't miss very much. <laughs> and in my opinion... So this was another swoosh, another swish, nothing but net, <laughs> splash, water. Before that, though, what, what do you think? See, surprisingly, I'm not on board with that. I think they actually had, I wouldn't call them misses, but basically they put out like a decent amount of singles ahead of time. And I fucking love the singles, like so good. Also great music videos every time. And this had been like over the course of like a year. So I was super hyped for this album, and then I listened to the album, and first listen, outside of the three main singles, which are now bonus tracks, and I Know Alone, which was also a single that came out beforehand, besides all of those, I didn't fuck with any of the songs, first listen, any of them. Uh, I have grown to really like 3AM a lot. <laughs> Damn, you hit the sweet spot. <laughs> Um, the rest kind of grown on me a little bit, but still kind of like I could leave them. So 
I don't know. It's like this album gave me a handful of amazing tracks, like five ones I really love, but the rest is kind of whatever for me. Like, it's fine, but I don't know. So I was just hyping you up, but first listen, I also didn't enjoy this album. What? <laughs> I did not. I'm serious. I was like on my way to work. I popped it on and I found myself even like skipping a few and I was mm-hmm. like, okay, uh, a minute was enough for this next. Yeah. <laughs> minute 30 whatever i want to say though this was mostly the beginning i'll say like the first three four tracks i was like okay yeah i think also not the best track listing on this album true i could probably agree with that but i was like listening and it just wasn't hitting when i listen to music i want the tracks to quote unquote hit different (laughs) you know (laughs) that's what i'm looking for like just that snap it's almost like that light bulb effect like oh shit what, what is that and weirdly wasn't getting that and we were getting closer to recording this episode and i'm like fuck it's time like they gotta have, at least try something yeah, like i gotta i gotta do it again like not just pop on and like scroll through let me give this a good track one let it play through see and to me that second chance i gave it started off with gasoline which a lot of people like. I'm okay on. I'm not crazy about it, but I don't dislike it as much as some of the others. Yeah, like it's not my favorite track, but it was the one that I was like, okay, like yeah, something different. Maybe I slept on this like on my first listen through. Like maybe my mood was just different or something. But okay, and then it's a little track you mentioned earlier, 3 a.m., mm-hmm. which I'll say right now, and this is not a joke. I know I exaggerate sometimes, <laughs> but I can easily say that I've played that track. <laughs> Upwards of 15 times within the last 48 hours, wow. which doesn't sound crazy, but in the last 48 hours, I've probably also worked like 20 of those hours <laughs> and slept another 12. So if you <laughs> bring down that number into, I don't know, a couple hours of free time, playing it that many times, it's a good amount. That track, that was the, that hit different moment. I don't yeah. know why I didn't get it on the first listen through. Me either. Like it. I could almost tell, like, I think I should like this, but it's not doing it for me. And then, I don't know why, but the more I listen, I was like, all right, this shit is perfect. Tell you this, though. This could be a reason why. That second try I gave it, your boy was wearing Beats headphones. And there's something with the guitars and the bass on that thing. Damn. That when you have some nice headphones on, it just hits different. And that alone changed how I listened to the rest of the album. It almost, like... It was like a switch. It flipped the switch, and now it's like I was open-minded to the rest of the album, and I like it. It's Haim. The cover is Haim. The name is Haim, and they kept it consistent. There's a few tracks I don't like, but that good chunk from Gasoline and On made me really like the album, and I can easily give it a solid pro. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, if I have five tracks from an album that I really, really love... I think that's pretty good no matter what so even though i'm like definitely underwhelmed and disappointed i would still say overall i still like those so i don't think i can con it i'll give it like a light pro just because the rest didn't live up to that but yeah next one we got chicano batman with the album invisible people and they're a group i had never heard of until you put me onto them so Yo, right now, before we even brought them up, I was trying to think, like, how the fuck did I even (laughs) get to know them? They're like a bunch of dads who are like, yeah, let's start a band. (laughs) Let's do this. And I do know this. They go way back. Like, I think they've been making music for a minute, almost like garage band style. Like, they grew up together and blew up to make music that's good enough to live off of. Because I wouldn't say that they're, like, popular, but... They're, like, known. A lot of people don't, but I think it's also they're, like, very regional. Like, I guess we could get into that now. It's a very Chicano style, which is Mexican influence. I think most of them are come from Mexican heritage or South American heritage. And they're all L.A. and California-based. Grew up here. And I'll say this. I know they go way back because one of the people I work with... We, like, brought up Chicano Batman in a conversation, and he told me, like, oh, you know, like, that back in the day, he used to run, like, a little club, and that 
he like knows them he's like really cool and they used to play it all the time Damn. and they used to be like the main people so that's how i know they go like way back from like early 2000s making music but but it's like a very specific sound i don't want to compare it to something like sublime but you know how like sublime has like this sound that's super southern california and very specific or like red hot chili peppers yeah like red hot chili peppers chicano batman has the same thing it's almost like a mexican version of that and it's super dope this album does more of that the main singer in it has very dope vocals he's not afraid to like go loud go low and range and be like rock and roll style with it Mm -hmm. you also hear hints of spanish in it sometimes it's just like fun to listen to shit to pop on like driving in the day could work out to it just play like if you're at a park playing around or playing catch whatever you could pop it on it's pretty dope and yeah they did more of that this one's easy for me to pro yeah i think this project which is like the first body of work i've heard from them personally I found to be, and I'm saying this in like a compliment way, but like great background music because I just put it on when I'm like doing work or something and it just is like positive, upbeat kind of sounds and just fun to listen to and you don't have to be fully tapped in to listening to it to still kind of feel the energy from it. Yeah, it's a good way to put it. It is like great background music. It's great for what it is, so I'd still give it a solid pro in that way. Because yeah. also with these ratings, you know, we give them partially based off expectations and what we want out of that project. And this ticked all the boxes for me. You know what I mean? Let's move on, on to the next one. Tops. With the album, I Feel Alive. And let me just tell you this. With the album cover, you don't look very alive. <laughs> I want to say Tops. It's new to me. Yeah, so it's like a band and... I had only heard one or a couple of their songs from Solomon, who introduced me to them. But that was like all I knew of them. And I hadn't really listened to their projects at all. So this was also for me, like the first real project from theirs. I was hearing. So, yeah, I mean, through the first listen, I didn't know what to expect from it, obviously. And pleasant surprise, though. Kind of enjoyed it. I guess I'll bring up that maybe I'm tripping, but... The band has like a old school, like America type alternative sound to them. Yeah. I mean, to me, it's like a almost 60s, 70s type of sound or energy. Right. Exactly. And it worked pretty well. It's a almost sound. like tennis in a way in that throwback. Right. Yeah. Good one. I didn't even think about that. Like it works pretty well. And it's not a sound that like I grew up with or even listened to outside of tennis or tops. But while listening, I was like, oh, shit, like, this sounds like a modern take on something old like that that works pretty well. I really like the main singer's voice. And the instruments are, like, simple yet work pretty well. Um, Like, there's not much I can say about it. I enjoyed it. I think I'll keep it. It's something that I could also play on a background type. Yeah, it's like an easy, easy listen. Not hard on the ears at all. Yeah, I mean, I agree with all that. And I also think they do a good job of both having the high energy upbeat tracks but then the slower ballad tracks yeah like with too much at the very end and yeah i really have like no complaints with this album it just kept growing on me more and more and i go back to it pretty decently often and it always stays consistent so i'm sure i'll keep revisiting and yeah i mean it's just a solid pro for me yeah, solid pearl, especially with my expectations being zero. All right, so last one. We got a band that's similar in name to Heim, but it's not Heim. They're called Heinz, H-I-N-D-S, with the album The Prettiest Curse, band of four girls from Madrid in Spain. Yeah, I mean, shout out to the title. That's strong. I like it. And yeah, you did put me on. I remember you showing me a few of their videos or just oh, right. yeah, their music videos. Music. I think we even saw like an Ar- Anwar. Is that his name? Nardwar. Nardwar. <laughs> Anwar Anwar Carrots. Shout out to you. <laughs> but they seem pretty dope, pretty legit. Also a band that seems like I mean they are from Madrid, but it's almost like 
they embody that old school american rock band rock band from i don't even know what years because yeah i know what you mean but again yeah the wash blue jeans <laughs> with the nice flannel on type shit and and they have that energy too in concert because i saw them live and it's just very much like a modern rock show but it does have that kind of american feel to it but it still feels unique to them and has a lot of spain and spanish influences in general this where i could get fucked up and i don't want to do it i'll try to say this in the nicest way but these are spanish girls with spanish being their first language and sometimes that accent comes out and for me speaking myself who my fucking accent comes out even talking right here on this podcast sometimes my point is like my ear or i'm like aware of when these things happen so for me like that accent they start singing or one of them starts singing and Mm -hmm. i hear it all the time and it almost bothers me the fucked up part is that shouldn't really be a problem because shout out to them like they're a spanish-speaking rock band that still based in madrid too. still based in madrid and probably sells out shows like all across the u.s like Many people here can't do that shit, and they're fucking doing this. Shout out to them. Like, I'm not taking any of that away from them. It's just, like, it makes it hard for me to listen. Like, I don't want to hear that. Because a bunch of artists we listen to have accents, but a lot of them hide it. Or that's, like, a con, in a way, in terms of, like, my experience to listening to it. Outside of that, the music itself isn't bad at all. Really enjoy it. The same thing. It has, like, a very specific sound that... I guess it's a little bit more upbeat in my eyes or ears. Yeah, for sure. Some shit you could play at the beach almost, have a little bit more fun with. It's a little bit more bright. It's a little bit more fun. They're super dope. I really like their look, their whole feel. The album cover is fucking dope. And I don't know. What what do you think? First off, I thought your complaint was going to be more of the fact that Carlotta, who's more of the main singer and also sings sometimes, but she is almost this... This might be a harsh word, but like babyish kind of voice or like little kid in a way. Yeah. And I could see how that's like a turnoff for some people. But to me, it never really was a problem. And at this point, I'm really used to the sound. I like it myself, so it doesn't bother me and it makes them stand out more. But yeah, in terms of the album overall, I think it's like a good step from the last album Even just on a technical level, like it's mixed so much better, a lot cleaner sounds, just sounds more professional overall. But it's still kind of similar to the last album in the sense that it's just like consistent from front to bottom. And on this one, I will say that the first track is like by far and away my favorite. And then the rest isn't as good, but it's still consistent. But yeah, I don't know. I would say that it's like a light to solid pro for me, probably. I'd go like a very, very light pro. That wraps it up for this episode of Pros and Cons. I'm Kev. You can find me at same old Kev pretty much everywhere. And I'm Jack. You can find me at Jack Bloom Summer, Summer with an O on everything. Catch y'all next week. 999. Okay, okay. RP Juice World. Rip Pop Smoke.